Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, we've been speaking on heaven on earth. Heaven on earth isn't just a fairy tale, it's a promise. Heaven on earth is something God has invited us to pray to bring heaven to earth. Jesus would never have us pray something that was impossible to achieve. And so it must be something important for Jesus to have us pray this prayer. Everyone say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me now, Father, help. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, I want you to understand and recognize just how important this prayer is. Uh, We've prayed it, we've heard this prayer over and over, but I don't think we've really understood the gravity or the mandate that is associated with this declaration. That when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, that we are literally inviting heaven's atmosphere to invade our reality. And when Jesus tells us to do this, Jesus tells us to bring heaven to earth. That's your responsibility as a believer in Christ, as someone that has a relationship with God. We have a responsibility to bring heaven to earth. Somebody say amen. But in order to bring heaven and earth, we have to duplicate heaven's atmosphere here on earth. Now, let me explain it to you this way. If I want to grow what is growing in Hawaii, I have to duplicate Hawaii's atmosphere here in California. I need to develop that same humidity, that same heat. I need to develop that same kind of atmosphere or climate consistently in order to grow pineapples if I want the Hawaiian pineapple to be uh, evident here in San Jose, California. I might have to develop a greenhouse. I might have to develop some humidity. I might have to put some heat in there. I'm going to have to develop an environment that is conducive to reproducing that same kind of environment you find naturally in Hawaii has to be reproduced in a greenhouse in order to grow those same things here. Somebody say amen. And so if you're trying to develop or trying to create love or trying to reproduce forgiveness or trying to produce even healing, those things are only going to happen in the atmosphere of heaven. So in order to bring heaven's atmosphere to earth, we got to find out what creates the atmosphere of heaven and how to bring that down to our reality. Somebody say amen. So we we shared last week in the book of Revelation chapter 4 that heaven's atmosphere is 24-7 worship unto God. Say it again, Pastor, that the word says day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so this is consistently beginning to magnify or lift up 
who God is. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when you get a magnifying glass, what does a magnifying glass do? Makes things larger, right? But what, when, you're, you, when you use a magnifying glass, now some of you were, were, were bad kids. You used them for other purposes to burn insects and things like that. But usually when you're, when you're reading something or you're, you're taking a look at something, though, you'll use a magnifying glass for what? To read, to enlarge, to, to, to uh, accentuate details, to see things. And when the Bible says, come and magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together, he's saying, let's magnify. Let's look at the details of who God is. Let's make God, let's not just focus in on God, who he is altogether, but let's focus in on the details of who God is. Let's focus in that he's a healer. Let's focus in that he's a provider. Let's focus in on his ability to bring peace. Let's focus in on the details of God so that we, as we accentuate the details of God, we can begin to celebrate who God is. Now, when, when my kids begin to brag on their dad, it doesn't happen often, but when they begin to brag on their dad, you know, when they start, man, my dad is so generous. My dad, he just takes care of things. My dad is just this, he's that. I don't know about you, but when, then when they come and ask me for something, I want to prove them right. You know what I'm saying? As parents, when you're, but when your kids complain about you, and they never give me anything, they never do anything for me. They're, they're always, they're always, mess, you know, I ask them for something, they always say no, they're always broke. We, what, you think money grows on trees? And uh, they, they, As long as you live under this house, you're going to obey my rules. And that, As they begin to complain, as they begin to complain about me, then they come up and ask me for something. Like, really? Dad, can I get 20 bucks? No, I'm cheap, remember? Come on. You know what I'm saying? When we begin to do the same thing with God, and we begin to magnify who God is, And we begin to brag on who God is. I might be going through a financial struggle right now, but I'm here to tell you that God's my provider. My God takes care of all my needs. God provides for me. As I brag on God, God's in heaven like, yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah, I take care of it. You know, yeah, I'm I'm good at healing, ain't I? Yeah, I'm good at bringing peace. So then when I pray and I ask God for something, God wants to prove us right. But when all you do is complain about God, that's quiet in here. See, I, I want to take you some, somewhere. Worship is an atmosphere of heaven. So if we're going to create heaven's atmosphere here on earth, we got to duplicate or we have to bring heaven's atmosphere to earth. We got to bring the atmosphere of heaven down here. And the atmosphere is what allows certain things to grow. Everyone say grow. So if you want certain things to grow here on earth, you got to create an atmosphere that allows those things to grow on earth. But there's three things that will keep heaven's atmosphere from growing. And I'm going to talk to you as you take a look at this prayer. Jesus identifies what areas that we have to deal with in order to reproduce heaven's atmosphere here on earth. The first thing he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 11, he says this, give us this day our daily bread. How many have needs on a daily basis? 
Uh, let, let me ask this. How many of you only eat on Sundays? And only eat one meal? How many usually eat maybe two times on Sundays? Three times on Sundays? Four times on Sundays? How many just eat all day on Sundays? <laughs> you, you don't just eat on Sunday and then wait till next Sunday to eat again. Yet spiritually we do that. We get one meal on Sunday and then we don't eat again spiritually until the next Sunday. It's important that if you feed your physical body three times a day, how much more is it important that you also feed your spiritual body on a continual basis? And so Jesus says this, give us this day our daily bread. He's talking about provision. Everyone say provision. God wants you to recognize that he is the source of every one of your needs. That God is the source, not just your resource. God is the one that provides each and every one of your needs. God is the one that supplies all the needs according to his glorious riches through Christ Jesus. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, what we are inviting and recognizing that God is the one that supplies our needs. My needs don't come from my job. My needs aren't supplied by my, by, by my, my career. God's the one that is the source of all of my needs. Some Somebody say amen. So I want you to see here that in the book of Exodus, God supplies on a daily basis while the children of Israel are, 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 are walking and they're, they're in the, in the, in the uh, desert. Daily, God provided manna. And that word manna literally means, what is it? And I believe it's what is it because what God is saying is this, is that whatever you need, I'll provide. What is it you need? Manna meant what is it, but I want you to recognize that God wants to supply your need on a daily basis. That whatever you need, every day they walked out and they had to go grab what God provided. The provision was there, but it was up to them to get up, get out of the tent, and grab what God had already provided for them. Listen, if you are not getting what you need, if God and you're not receiving what you need, it's not God's fault. It's up to you to get up, get out of your tent, and grab the things that God has already provided for you but you couldn't you couldn't just store away you couldn't grab a bunch and then hold on to it till the next day you weren't allowed to do that because you had to do it on a daily basis if you were too lazy and you're like i'm just going to grab double today so i don't have to go out tomorrow by the next day it was spoiled you see if you're just trying to live off what god said not what god is saying you're going to be in trouble And many of us got a word from God years ago, but we've never heard what God is still saying today. If Abraham operated on what God said, he would have killed his son Isaac. But because he heard what God was saying, he had the ability to recognize not just what God said, but what God is saying. We need to live on a perpetual relationship with God where we have the ability to recognize what God is saying, not just what God has said. Somebody say amen. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Where's glory? Everything you need is in heaven. Everything's supplied in heaven, in glory. It's all taken care of. In other words, there's no lack in heaven, church. Are there bread lines in heaven? Do they have welfare going on in heaven? Do, do they have people that are at, on, on the street corners, the gold street corners, asking for money? 
on, in heaven? That doesn't happen. Why? Because in heaven, all, everything is supplied. Everything is taken care of. Everything you need is already taken care of in heaven. In heaven, it's limitless. And God is telling us right now that if you pray accordingly, I've already supplied everything you need. And you have a right to provision. You have a right to supply. And I will supply all your needs according to my glorious riches through Christ Jesus. I need you to understand something this morning. Everything you need, God has. And what's he talking about here? See, the three things that will hold back the the, the presence of heaven showing up, number one is doubt or lack. When you lack provision, you begin to doubt God. And doubt is contrary to faith. And when you begin to doubt, all of a sudden, the atmosphere of heaven disappears in your family or in your ability to get provision. Secondly, we go, the second area is here. Look at this in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, now this is going to touch home, all right? Because there's some of you that love God. Some of you get that on the way home. Some of you love God here today. Some of you are here because you have to be. That's someone earlier today. I said, hey, man, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. He goes, yeah, I'm just fulfilling living requirements. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, in order to stay where I'm staying, I got I to gotta come to a service somewhere. And so that's what I'm here today. I said, oh, hey, man, well, great. <laughs> come to God's house in order to stay in your house. That's... It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's reciprocal, Okay. In other words, everything God God has created has cycles. And if anyone refuses to complete the cycle, then you're not going to receive what you're supposed to. Forgiveness, now take a look at this. Forgiveness lives in heaven. Unforgiveness doesn't live in heaven. Bitterness can't operate in heaven. All right? And so bitterness is the opposite of forgiveness, and forgiveness is possible, in other words. In other words, no matter what anyone's done to you, you have the ability to forgive someone else. Now, you might not think you do. You might think that they've done something so heinous that you'll never forgive them. You'll never forget about it. But according to the Word of God, that bitterness doesn't exist in heaven. And unforgiveness is literally a cancer that begins to eat away at us. That when we have unforgiveness, it keeps us from stepping into what God has for us and it's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison ourselves, but hoping the other person dies and yet we're walking around as Christians as believers but we're holding all these grudges against this person against that person that church this organization I want you to understand that your unforgiveness is killing you because when there's unforgiveness Heaven's atmosphere can't show up in your life. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you refuse, this is the deal. It's It's just hard. You refuse. We refuse to forgive others. Your Father in heaven will what? Will what? Will not forgive. No, but I thought God was love. I thought God forgives everyone. There are conditions to the forgiveness God provides. Because he forgives you, he expects you to forgive others. Story in the Bible talks about a man that owed a lot of money. 
and he was, the king was about to throw him into jail, and the, the, the king forgave this guy of that huge debt. And after that, he was so excited, he went out, found a guy that owed him 20 bucks. And when the guy couldn't pay back the 20 bucks, he had him thrown in jail until he could pay it back. Some of us are the same way. You've been forgiven for so much. And then you go out and you refuse to forgive someone for so little. What ends up happening? The the Bible says that that king goes back and, and, and brought that individual, threw him into jail until he was able to pay back every penny. See, forgiveness, only a forgiven person understands forgiveness. If you can't forgive, I question whether you've experienced forgiveness. Because when you've been forgiven, you know how to forgive. Think about it. When God's forgiven me, not because I deserve it, but because he chose to wipe out my sin, then I have a responsibility to forgive others. And and as Christians, what we've done is we've made the Bible uh, adjustable. We take the Bible and we start tailoring it. We start cutting out parts of the word that that don't fit us. And we want, we want, we want only the word that, 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 that makes us comfortable. And so we start cutting out parts of the word that we're uncomfortable with to fit our lifestyle rather than to look like Christ. And the word of God is, 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 is so important here in the area of forgiveness. You need to understand that only a forgiven person can forgive another person. And if you really want to walk in freedom, you've got to walk in forgiveness. We've got to learn to walk and receive Forgiveness. Bitterness does not allow the kingdom of heaven to be manifested here on earth. Look at verse 13 here. It goes on. And lead us and do not lead us. Some of us pray, Lord, lead us. Lord, lead us into temptation. I had a friend when I was in Bible college, we used to say, shall we sin that grace may abound? Yes, we shall. Just being honest, that's what we used to say. But the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I shared with you a couple weeks back that that word evil one comes from a Greek, uh, a Greek word that has two, twofold meaning. That the evil one is poverty and sickness. That those two words are the things that, that when we operate in poverty and sickness, those are the things that God is trying to deliver us from. But he says, do not lead us into temptation. In other words, the question is, is who are you following right now? Who you're following determines where you're led. And if, if you keep ending up in temptation, the question is, is who you're following. you got to recognize who you're following. Notice this, that word temptation, God doesn't tempt us. And I've heard people say all the time, you know what, man, God must really trust me because, you know, God, God won't allow us to, you know, be tempted beyond what we can stand. But I want you to understand that temptation is not a sin. Giving in to temptation is the sin. 
And the Bible tells us that we are to pray on a daily basis and lead us not into temptation. In other words, God, don't take me down a road that's going to be too much for me to handle. And so temptation happens when we are led away by our own lust. See, when you be, listen, there's certain things I'm not tempted by. I could, I, and I've heard someone say recently that there was a, uh, a conference I spoke at to, to some business leaders, and there was an individual that spoke after me that mentioned this. We were in a, a town called San Luis Obispo, and the guy mentioned this. He says, there's some of you in here that are so passionate about certain things that if you wanted to find cocaine in this town, you could find it. Even if you don't know anyone in this town, you have the ability to find that thing because you, 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 you have the ability, no matter what city you go to, you know how to find certain things. Because when you're passionate about something, you're going to find it. You'll find that trouble. You'll find that you'll be led to that temptation. Come on, somebody. And so I want you to understand that in many of our lives, we're led out based on our desires. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, someone say each one. In other words, that's you. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his, by his. You are drawn away by your own desires. When you're tempted, it's because of you. What you're tempted by is because of you. The things that you're tempted of are because of you. No one forces you into temptation. The temptations that you face are the temptations that you desire. I love what uh, Bill Johnson says. He puts it this way when he refers to lead us not into temptation. He says this, Lord, don't take me anywhere. My character can't sustain me. Don't promote me beyond what my character can handle. Some of you are praying right now for, for, for a relationship, but the moment you get in that relationship, it's going to become ungodly. You can't handle it. Your character can't handle it. You're praying for money, but as soon as you get that money, you'll end up falling away from God because your character can't handle it. Some of you are praying for that job, but you always show up late and leave early, and you're going to end up losing that job. What you need is character for the ability to learn how to work some work ethic because your character can't handle it. We're praying for things, and we're getting mad at God that we're not receiving them, but you got to understand, God, we, begin, we need to pray, God, don't promote me to a place where my character will not keep me. Don't take me to a place that's going to separate me from you. God, do not promote me to a place where my character can't sustain me. That's quiet in this place right now. Some of us, the very things you're praying for become the very things that lead you away from God. See, Jesus could tell Satan, you don't have anything on me. All right. Sin doesn't exist in heaven. So there's three things that hold back the atmosphere of heaven. Doubt or lack. Come on. Unforgiveness. And lastly, sin. How many of you are sinners saved by grace? I said, how many sinners saved by grace are in the house right now? All right. Now, the thing is, you're not a sinner anymore. If I keep calling you a sinner, what are you going to do? 
That's why Paul calls the people that were sinners, saved by grace, he calls them saints. Saints don't just exist in the Catholic Church. It's not just a statue of someone that did good things. I want you to know that Paul called anyone that had been changed by Christ a saint. Those, every one of you right now, if you are a saint, if you've been washed by the blood, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you were a sinner that was saved by grace, you are now today a saint of God. And if you're a saint, what do saints do? Good things. You're like, I don't know. I'm not a saint. (laughs) Look what Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Omaha, if you would help me. Romans chapter 6, look what it says here. We're going to close right here. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Come on, somebody. This is the word. You are free from your slavery to sin. Many of you think, I don't have a choice but to sin. No, once you've come to Christ, sin no longer has change on you. I don't have to sin. I, I have the choice to turn away from these things. It says here, for, you are now, for, for now you are free from uh, your slavery to sin, and now you have become slaves to... Slaves to what? Slaves to righteous living. You, have the, you, you are a slave to righteousness now. Everything I do is righteous. I walk in holiness. I don't walk in sin. I'm free from those things now. I want you to understand you've been created for freedom. Oh, come on, someone give God a shout of praise this morning. Heaven is the model for earth. Heaven is the model that God wants for earth. And I want you to understand that prayer is the highest form of worship you can bring. We worship, singing a song is one thing, but prayer is the highest form of worship we can bring. Why? Because when I pray, I'm acknowledging only God can do it. That's worship. When I pray, God healed this sickness, only God can do that. God meet this need. Only God could do that. I need you to understand in heaven, there's no lack. There's provision. In heaven, there is no no sin. There's forgiveness. I want you to recognize that when we create the atmosphere of heaven here on earth, what happens in heaven then becomes active here on earth. And the things that can grow in heaven can now grow here on earth. But we have to reproduce heaven's atmosphere here on earth. God is our atmosphere. Let me say that again. God's our atmosphere. You were created the same way a fish was created for the water, a bird for the air, the plants for the dirt and the ground. You were created to survive and thrive in the atmosphere called God. That when we're in the atmosphere of God, just like a fish breathes underwater or a bird flies or a plant grows in the ground, when you remove the plant from the ground, it dies. You remove the the fish from the water, it dies. You take the bird out of the sky, it, it begins to die. Every one of us, when we are removed from the presence of God, we die as well. You are created for God's atmosphere. And when we bring the atmosphere of God, God is my water. God is my sky. God is my ground. That when I'm in the atmosphere of God, what I need, God provides everything I need in every circumstance and situation. 
When you're disconnected from God, you begin to die. You need the presence of God to show up. I don't know about you, but I want God's atmosphere of heaven on earth. Because there's people I love that get sick, and I want healing to come on their bodies. I got family that I love that I want to make sure that they're provided for. So I want the daily bread of God. I don't know about you. God's a good father. You have a good father. And my, my kids, when they're hungry, they don't come and say, Dad, can, can I get something out of the refrigerator? They don't do that. They're hungry. They walk over to the refrigerator. They open it, and they know that Dad's provided something in there for their needs. The Bible says if you being earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts to you? You need to understand you got a good father. No matter how bad your earthly father may have been, no matter what earthly fathers may have done, no matter what earthly fathers might have taken place or how they hurt you, no matter how they may have walked out or abused you, I need you to understand that your heavenly father is a good father. And that's why when he says, my father, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that you got a good father, a father that would never hurt you, a father that would never abuse you, a father that would never walk away from you. You got a father that will provide for you. You got a father that'll forgive you. You got a father that'll take care of you. You got a father that'll develop an atmosphere for you. You are not alone. You're not an orphan. You don't have to fend for yourself. You have a father that is taking care of every need that you have. He's got you because he loves you. Everything you need, my father is taking care of. All you have to do is receive it. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.